me of a, of a school teacher that was helping a kindergarten student put on his boots, cowboy boots. And even with her pulling and him pushing, the little boots just didn't want to go on. And by the time they got the second boot on, this teacher had worked up a sweat. Well, she almost burst into tears when the little boy said, Miss Smith, they're on the wrong feet. Now, it really wasn't any easier pulling the boots off than it was putting them on. So she managed to keep her coolness together. They worked to get the boots back on, and this time they got them on the right feet. And just as she pushed them in and they just fit perfectly, he looked at her and said, these aren't my boots. She bit her tongue rather than follow her natural instincts to grab him by the collar, pull his face close to her and scream, why didn't you say so? Once again, she struggled and pushed and pulled and finally got the boots off. And no sooner had she gotten the boots off that he said, they're my brother's boots and my mother lets me wear them. Now her hands are shaking worse than a tree in a Texas tornado. She's taking a deep breath, her strength waning. She begins to struggle getting those boots back on. And after minutes of pulling and tugging and pushing with marbles of sweat cascading off her forehead, she triumphantly got that last boot on, helped him into his coat and said, now where are your mittens? He said, I stuffed them into the toes of my boots. Now, have you ever been in situations where you couldn't decide between murder and patience? If you've ever had a child, you have. If you've ever had a little kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, and I want to just kind of give you a transparency moment here, okay? And, and those of you who know me will laugh because you already know this is true. And those of you who don't know me probably already figured it out. Patience is not one of my greatest virtues. Now, I know that shocks a lot of you to hear that, okay? But patience is just not one of my greatest virtues. As a matter of fact, I guess really and truly there really are two words that get on my nerve when I hear people say them to me worse than anything else they say, and that is be patient. Be patient. I, I, I got a buddy of mine that flew up from Orlando last night, and uh, he's, a, he's a minister, but he's an itinerant minister. As a matter of fact, for those of you who fly, you ready for this? He has flown with Delta over 8 million miles. This guy, I mean, he, he, you know, there, he's a diamond. There, you know, there's silver, gold, diamond, platinum, and, and then there's half ownership of the company. That's kind of where he's headed. But anyhow, we were, we, uh, he got in about 6 o'clock last night, and he called me, and I said, hey, why don't we meet out toward the mall, and uh, we'll, we'll go to a restaurant there. Bad idea, very bad idea. We went to this place to eat last night, and uh, the, the, guy, the guy said to me, I said, how long will wait for two? He said, um, 20 minutes. I said, all right, now, are you telling me 20 minutes, but it's going to be 40? Just be honest with me. He said, 25 minutes. I said, all right, are you telling me it's going to be 25 minutes? You're going to tell me it's 50. He said, I, I, I promise you, we'll, we'll get you in in 25 minutes, all right? And quite frankly, probably every five minutes, I'm walking up there. My name's Merritt. How much longer are we going to have here? I mean, that, that's, you know, that, that's just my nature. And I pray about it. I mean, there are times I say, God, give me patience right now. I mean, this minute I want patience. That's just kind of where I am. I read a true story. This is actually happened of a father who sat down with his young daughter. He, she was old enough to kind of understand what money was all about, how to manage money and the value of saving money and so forth. And so he sat down and he explained to her the concept of earning interest on your money. He said, now, when your piggy bank is full, we'll go down to the bank and we'll give it to them for hold for you, and they'll give you even more money called interest. Do, do you understand that? She said, yes, sir. She said, well, Daddy, my piggy bank is full right now. Can we go today? 
And so he said, well, let me check. So the dad called the banker, a friend of his, and told him he and his daughter were on the way to open her first savings account. And so, he, you know, he wanted her to be given a special greeting. Well, the president of the bank decided, I'm just going to do this myself, have a little fun. So he was waiting at the front door of the bank when they walked in. He took her little small deposit, just a piggy bank full of change, and treated it like it you know, were a million dollars. He, he took her into the, this big, gigantic vault, opened this big, gigantic door, and put it in this safety deposit box. And he took her back to his desk, and he wrote out a receipt, and he thanked her for her business. And he stood up for her to leave, and she just sat there, didn't move. Well, the banker looked at the dad with his quizzical expression, and he turned to the little girl, and he said, uh, Sweetie, is there anything else I can help you with? She said, Yes. I want my interest. Now, Aren't we all a little bit like that? Aren't there times in our lives when we say, I want my interest. I don't want to wait. I, I'm not into the patient thing. I want what I want, and I want it right now. We're, we're in a series, if you're a guest of ours today, we're, we're in a series called Tasty. And it's a series that is based on what is called the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And what the fruit of the Spirit is, if, if you don't know, and, and, and you may not even be a believer, so let me explain. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you surrender your life to Him, the Bible says that in the person of the Holy Spirit of God, God literally comes and lives in you. And, and what God wants to do from that moment on is not for you to work to try to live for Him. He wants you to just let Him live His life through you. And part of that process of letting Him live His life through you is bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And these are character qualities that God wants to bear through us as we live a life controlled by the Holy Spirit. So on a daily basis, if we're willing to surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit says to us, okay, I am going to bear through you the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I've told you what these are before. They're found in Galatians 5, verse 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let, let's just say that. As many of you can. Don't even look up on the screen. Let's see if we can say that together, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You really ought to try to memorize those verses. And I've been asking the question, what, what would your marriage be like? Even You may sit there and may, you may think you have a good marriage. What would your marriage be like if you and your spouse on a daily basis displayed these kind of qualities? What, would your work environment be any different if your boss, if your fellow employees and you constantly on a 24-7 basis fulfilled and, and, and bore these fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Can you imagine what our world would be like if we all bore this fruit? I mean, I think you would agree with this. If everybody in the world bore this fruit all the time, you wouldn't need courts. You wouldn't have lawsuits. You wouldn't need armies. You wouldn't need navies. You wouldn't need the Air Force. You wouldn't need war. You, you know, it would be a wonderful, wonderful world. Well, the reason why God calls this fruit, if you remember, I've told you that fruit has two qualities that make it special. There, there are a lot of us in here that, that, that may not particularly care for certain vegetables. I don't know if I've ever met anyone that says, I don't like any kind of fruit whatsoever. It's very, very rare. I don't know that I've ever met anyone. Everybody in this room would say you like at least some kind of fruit. And, and there's a reason why fruit is, is really smiled upon both by people who have good taste and people who are concerned about good health. Because on the one hand, if you, if you get a good piece of fruit, you know fruit tastes good to you. You also know that every doctor worth his salt will tell you you ought to eat, you know, several measures of fruit every day. Because fruit is not only good to you, fruit 
is good for you. Now, there's a reason why God wants us to be fruit-bearing believers. There's a reason why God wants us to bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. Because what God wants us to do is live a life in such a fashion that we'll be so tasty that people will really want to take a bite of us, so to speak. That people will say, I want what you have. I want to be around you. I want to get to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. And furthermore, one of the reasons why I want to do it is not only because I enjoy who you are, I believe you'll make me a better person because I want to be just like you. And so so we're, we're in this series where God is telling us he wants us to live a life that is so attractive to other people that when they come to us, we will be good to them and good for them. Now, if you're like me, you're honest. If you think about that list, you probably would agree that there's some fruit on those branches that you bear more easily than others. I mean, I went through this list, and I, you know, and there's some of these I really do. Um, and, and for example, I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I'm really good at telling people I love them. I, I was raised in that kind of home, first of all, and, and I'm really good. I mean, I tell Teresa. 20 times a day, I, I, just before I got in the car, to, before I, I came up to church, I sent her a text this morning, just, it's just I, I love you more than ever. And, and so that's a fruit for me that's really pretty easy to bear. Now, patience, boy, I tell you, it needs fertilizing. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so let me tell you what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give everybody here a break. I'm not going to preach to you today, okay? I'm I'm going to give you a break. This is a Sunday you get off. I'm going to preach to me, and you can just listen if you want to, okay? Because, and I'm just being, I'm I'm really, I'm honest. This message is for me. So if you'd like to listen in, you're welcome. Now, David understood the need for patience. Look up on the screen. I want to read this verse to you. Psalm 37, verse 7. David said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Now, let me tell you why I want you to think about that verse. David said, wait on the Lord. Now, I'm going to really twist your thinking about patience this morning, and this is something that's really helped me as I studied this for this message. Most of us think that patience is the ability to wait on others. That's what you've always been taught. If somebody's impatient, they're not very patient with other people. I want you to listen very carefully. If you're not patient with other people the way you ought to be, that is not your problem. That is a symptom of the problem. That's not the problem. David pinpoints the problem. David has pinpointed what real patience is and why we tend to be impatient. Now, here's what David said. David said, impatience is really a lack of trusting in God. It's really a lack of trusting in God. Because think about this. If, if I were to ask you, do you believe that God is in control of your life? You'd say, absolutely. And, and, and do you believe that God allows certain people and certain problems and difficulties to come into your life? You'd say, well, sure, Absolutely. Then I want you to think about this. The next time you're getting impatient because you're waiting on something that's not happening fast enough, you're waiting on something that's coming to you fast enough, I want you to remember this. You're really not impatient with what's not coming. You're really impatient with God because what you're really saying is when you're impatient is, why don't you make this happen quicker? 
Why can't I have what I want? Why can't I have it right now? So the way to conquer impatience is to remember this simple truth. This is what I want you to walk out the door with. You can write this down. It is great to wait knowing God is never late. It is great to wait knowing God is never late. You may be late. I may be late. God is never late. Now, think of it this way. God has a process on how he wants your life to flow. God has a plan on how he wants your life to go. God has a purpose in how he wants your life to grow. So the key to patience is being willing to believe that as you walk with God, you can trust God to move his process. You can trust God to work his plan. You can trust God to accomplish his purpose. Now, at the same time, I know that sounds good in theory, but you and I both know there are patience poppers we have to put up with. I mean, they're, they're out there. You know, you're blowing up this big balloon called patience, and, and you've got that thing full, and you've tied the knot, and all of a sudden something comes along and pops that, bu- that, that, that balloon. And there are patience poppers, I'm telling you, because I experience them almost on a daily basis, that can sour this fruit in your life. So, again, I'm talking to me. You just happen to get in the way this morning. But if you're one of those people who either, A, say, I'm with you, I, I don't have the patience I ought to have, or Man, I'm married to somebody that needs it. I'm glad they're here today. Either way, it doesn't matter to me, all right? You listen in. Now, here's what I want you to write down, three things I want you to write down today. Number one, problems will try your patience. Problems will try your patience. Now, if you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to the book of Job, Job chapter 42, which is right, this is the last chapter of Job. It's right before the book of Psalms. So just turn to the book of Psalms, turn left, and you'll come to Job chapter 42. Now, you can, pick, you can pretty much figure out if you know your Bible, why did I pick out Job? Job's known for what? Patience. You know, we talk about the patience of Job. And Job is known as the most patient man in the Bible. And did Job ever need it? In case you don't remember his story, let me kind of refresh your memory. If you've never heard it, let me tell you to or tell it to you. Job lost everything that he owned. I mean everything. He lost his farm. He lost his cattle. He lost his livestock. He lost materially everything that he had. And then on top of that, he eventually lost not only his children, he lost his grandchildren. And then after that happened, he was covered with terrible sores and terrible boils all over his body. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, even his own wife, the Bible says, basically turned her back on him and got so discouraged, she just looked at him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just give it up? And then on top of all of that, even his so-called friends, they didn't comfort him. They condemned him. They said, you've done something wrong. This is all your fault. Evidently, you really ticked God off. You got a problem, Job, and you need to fix it. Because, Job, we've not anything, had anything bad like that happen to us. And so here's a man, the Bible says, all of his life had loved God, feared God, trusted God, obeyed God, but he had all kinds of unbelievable problems. And by the way, therein lies a great lesson we can learn from this man called Job and from the book of Job. That is that problems, if there's one message in the book of Job, here's the message. Problems are not meant to defeat you. They're not meant to discourage you. They're not meant to depress you. They are meant to develop you. Problems are not tools that God intends to tear you down. They are tests to build you up. Now, I will admit something to you. Believe it or not, to me, the maybe still the most difficult book in the Bible for me to get my hands on is the book of Job. I don't know of any biblical scholar that denies it is one tough book to understand. And I'll tell you what I think one of the problems is. 
The, the problem is a lot of people have is, is, is that, that don't know anything about the book, and, and this is the problem. If you start reading this book, if you don't get past the first couple of chapters, you won't understand the book because when you read the first two chapters, here's what you'll start thinking. Well, this isn't right. I mean, here was, according to the Bible, the best man in the whole community, the best man in that part of the country. He, didn't, he, 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 was, he was not perfect, but he was blameless. I mean, this man set an example in every area of his life. And unlike most of his neighbors, walked with God, never missed going to church, gave a tithe of his income to the Lord, tell people about the great God that he loved. He was a model father. He was a model husband. He was as honest as the day was long. And then he loses everything. He loses everything he got materially. He loses his wife, uh, his children, loses his grandchildren, loses his health. His wife tells him just to curse, die, die, you know, curse God, die, kick the bucket, you know, buy the farm, get out of here. His friends say, you got a problem. And you read those first two chapters, and if you're not careful, you go, well, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And, and you, you, you tend to put the book down. But this is where we learn the great lessons. Because after Job had gone all through that he had gone through, and after Job had had all these questions, and he came out on the other side, listen to what Job says beginning in Job 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. Okay, we agree with that. God's omnipotent. And no plan of yours can be thwarted. That is, whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. You can't stop it. I can't stop it. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Now, let me tell you, in essence, what Job finally got, Job finally realized what Job finally said. When Job finally came out to the other side, he said, God, now I get it. I understand. Problems are a part of your process. Problems are a part of your plan. And problems are a part of your purpose to help me develop patience in my life. I see that now. I understand it. As a matter of fact, I, I get it. The reason why I went through what I went through, because before I really knew a lot of you in my head, but now I know you in my heart. I've seen you in a way that I've never seen you before. I'll give you an illustration. Several years ago, I visited with a, a, a man in his home about, uh, about uh, the week after he had received Jesus Christ. He came to our Easter service, and this man had given his life to Christ. And, and so I'd gone by to see him to follow up on what he had done. And as we were rejoicing over his decision, he got this big concerned look on his face. And he said, uh, Pastor, I've got a big question. And, and it really, I found out it really wasn't so much of a question as it was a frustration. And I said, okay, what's your question? He said, you know, he said, when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, he said, I knew that everything wouldn't be hunky-dory all the time. And I knew everything wouldn't be, you know, copacetic and really cool all the time. But he said, I, let me tell you my problem. He said, I'm not very patient. I wanted to lie and say, well, I just can't relate to that, but I, I just didn't say that. He said, you know, I'm just not really very patient. And he said, here's, here's what really bothers me. He said, I asked God to give me patience. I said, okay, and what happened? He said, well, it was almost as if God just beat me down as hard as he could because you know what happened when I, when I asked God for patience? I said, no, what? He said, all kinds of problems came into my life. He said, I don't understand it. When I ask for patience, God sends me problems. I couldn't help but laugh. I said, you don't get it? He said, get what? 
I said, let me ask you a question. When you don't have any problems at all, do you need to be patient? No. I said, okay, you ask God for patience. He said, okay, fine. And so God sends you problems. Because the only time you ever need to be patient is when you've got problems. So all God was doing was answering your prayer. That's why you know the old saying, you better be careful what you pray for. You might get it. It's true. God, give me patience. God says, okay, here's a problem. Here's an, here's an irritant. I, I've told you every, I've told you many times, every problem is a test. Every, oppor- every difficulty is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to trust God. It's an opportunity for hear, to hear from God. It's an opportunity for you to believe God. It's an opportunity for you to say, you know what, Lord? I, 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 I really don't want to wait on this. I really don't want to wait on that. I really don't want to wait on them. But I'll tell you what, I'll wait on you. Because I believe you're working your process. I believe you're working your plan. I believe you're establishing your purpose. So I'm willing to wait on you. And so patience is simply believing you give God enough time, God will handle the problem. Now, here's the second thing I want you to write down. I know you know this one. People will test your patience. Problems will try your patience. People will test it. Now, leave Job and and turn over, if if you don't mind, to the book of James. Hebrews, James, it's over toward the end of the New Testament. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. I want, to listen, I want you to listen to what James says about patience. Here's what James says, James 5, verse 7. He says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. All right, now that, that, that's really a stronger verse than it sounds like. What James is saying is, uh, you don't have the right to be impatient until Jesus comes back, and after Jesus comes back, there won't, be any, there won't be anything to be impatient about. So you be patient till he comes. So, that, so you say, Pastor, how long do we have to exercise patience until you either die or Jesus comes back? Okay, after that, you're on your own, okay? Now, he says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other. By the way, that's what causes grumbling when people get impatient. Don't grumble. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, it really is fascinating to me that the Lord's brother gives us as an illustration for patience this picture of a Palestinian farmer. Now, many of you have never been to Palestine. I've been to Palestine 18, 17, 18 times. And, and, and if you ever go over there, if you've ever done any farming, you'll find this very interesting. Palestinian farmers had to wait on two different seasons of rain or else they would literally starve to death. Before they would plant their crops, they had to wait on the autumn rains because it was the autumn rains that would make planting easier and it would and it would and, and seed germination possible. If you planted before the rain came, it wouldn't happen. You had to wait till the rain would come and soften that ground and soak that ground. Then you would sow. Then they had to wait until the spring rains to harvest because that would maximize the amount of grain that they could reap. And so the farmer realized something that, that we ought to realize, but we don't. The farmer realized, if I don't wait on God's process to play itself out, I'm not going to have a harvest. If I don't wait on God to bring the autumn rain to plant and then the spring rain to reap, I'm either not going to have much of a crop or I'm not going to have any crop at all. And what James is saying is simply this. What is true of plants is also true of people. 
Now, impatience, and, and, and believe me, I'm talking to me, impatience is when you make up your mind, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I, I, I guess I've just got to handle this on my own. And here's what you do. You say, okay, I'm going to try to rush the harvest. I'm going to try to push the harvest. And you know what happens? Anytime a farmer tries to rush the harvest, you know what he'll wind up doing? He'll ruin the harvest. You can't rush a harvest. You have to be patient. And, when, and, and here's what happens. When you start trying to push things on your own, that's when you take the wrong job. And that's when you marry the wrong person. And that's when you make the wrong decision. Now, the Greek word for patience is a combination of two words. The word macro, which means long or slow, and the word thumia, which gives us the word thermos or thermal, and it means anger. So if you put those words together, what patience literally means, it literally means to be long-tempered, not short-tempered, long-tempered. In other words, patience is the ability to be slow to anger, but then quick to get rid of it. I, I read where someone said, patience is the ability to idle your motor when you feel like stripping your gears. And, 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 and that's true. See, now don't misunderstand. This is something that, that I, I want to be careful of with all these fruit. Don't sit there and think, okay, what you're really telling me is if I'm a patient person, I can never get angry. The word patience does not mean never angry. The word patience means slow to get angry. You can be a patient person and also be angry. There are times you have a right to get angry, and there are times it's right to be angry. Patience simply means I'll be slow to anger. I'll be quick to get rid of it. See, too often we've got just the opposite problem. We're quick to be angry. So, so we kind of spout things out. That's when we shoot things, we shoot, shoot from the hip, spout things off, shoot our mouth off, say things we wish we hadn't said, and then on the other hand, then we hold grudges. And we don't forgive and we don't forget. We don't move on with our life because we don't have patience. Now, let, let me be very, very honest with you. If you spend any time with people, your patience is going to be tested. I, I just want, I'm, I'm just telling you, if you spend any time with people, your patience is going to be tested because people will test your patience. Matter of fact, can I, can I just be honest and tell you something we all know? The people that you love the most will test your patience the worst. Is that right? The people that you love the most will test your patience the worst. I mean, I've got to be honest. The person I'm most impatient with at times in this world is the person that I love more than anyone else, and that's my wife. And sometimes, sometimes I have to remind myself what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. And so, if, 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 if by, and by the way, if, if one of the problems in your marriage right now is you're not real patient with each other, let me just tell you, and I'm being honest with you, according to what God's Word says, you don't love each other like you ought to. And so, you know, we, we try to fix the problem the wrong way. We'll try to say, I need to be more patient with Teresa. No, I don't need to more, be more patient with Teresa. I need to love Teresa more. If I love Teresa more, I will be patient. So if, you, if, you, if you've got difficult people you've got to deal with who are trying your patience, the only way you'll ever learn to be patient with them is to really love him. Now, love them. Now, the Bible's very plain, and I know you know this. The Bible says we're to love everybody. Well, think about this. If we're to love everybody, then with God's help, we're to be patient with everybody, which is exactly what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Listen to this. Be patient with everyone. 
Now, I want to be honest with you. That's hard for me. That is so difficult for me. When these arrogant Auburn people come up to me and war eagle me because they won this championship, that really tests my patience. When these Florida Gators do this to me after they beat us again, you know, and, and that really tests my patience. I mean, here I am. I'm walking. This happened just a while ago. I'm walking down the lobby there, minding my own business, full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know. And a lady walks by me. I, I, before I can even say good morning, go Gators. Now, why? I know that, that the, it's a tool of the devil. I, I understand that. But, but here's the point. Here's the point. If God is in control of my life, then every time I wait, it's not somebody else making me wait. He's making me wait. That's what I want you to understand. And every time he makes me wait, what's he trying to teach me? Somebody tell me. Patience. That's what he says. Okay, you want, you, want to, you want to bear this fruit? I'm going to cut you. I'm going to prune you. I'm going to put you in this situation. No, you're not going to get your table in 25 minutes. So how are you going to act? So, when you, when you, so are you going to go with the 25 minutes? I'm out of here. No. Why did I make you wait 26 minutes? I'm trying to teach you patience. You're not waiting on them. You're waiting on me. And knowing that we should remember who we're being patient with, that makes all the difference. Because, listen, the next time you get impatient, I mean, the, the next time you really have to wait, if you'll remember, you know what, I'm waiting on God. This, I, I'm going to trust God here. I'm, I'm waiting on Him. I'll, let me give you a good example of how this works out. When I was invited, totally unexpectedly, to visit President Bush in the Oval Office back the week after 9-11, uh, they, were, they invited 27 religious leaders up to the White House. That's when, back when I was president of the convention. And so they invited 27 of us up to the White House. And we're in the Roosevelt Room. We're drafting this statement on prayer. And so Tim Gagline comes in, and he calls off six, uh, six names, and he says, we, I need to see you. We step outside. Well, we get, we, we're invited to the Oval Office. So, you know, man, couldn't believe it. So we we're walk across the White House lawn, and we go to the Roosevelt Room, which is where we're all going to meet eventually. So we go over to the Roosevelt Room, and, uh, you know, we sit there, and uh, he said, the president will see you momentarily. Well, you know how long we waited to see the president? We waited almost 45 minutes. We waited almost 45 minutes. Now, not one of us said, who does he think he is? <laughs> Not one time was anybody tempted to say, two minutes and I'm out of here. We'd waited all day. Now, why would I have waited all day? Why? Somebody tell me. I'm waiting to see the president. Now, if I'm waiting on you, I'm out of there. But I'm waiting on the president. You see what I'm trying to get you to understand? If you will just understand every time you're waiting, you're waiting on God. It's God that makes you wait because God doesn't have to make you wait. God can see to it that we never wait. And, and so, that, you know, we would have waited for hours. Why? Because we knew we were about to see the most powerful, influential person on earth. Now, think about this. How much more patient should we be with the people who are really important to us? How much more patient should we really be with the people that love us and care about us? Now, here's the last thing to write down. Persistence will toughen your patience. Now, 
The reason why God allows difficult people and demanding problems to come into our lives is so that we can grow in our faith and become, become, become mature. As a matter of fact, you're here in James chapter 5. Just go back to James chapter 1 look in verse 3. James says, the testing of your faith produces patience. But he doesn't stop there because he knows how we think. He's, and let patience have its perfect work. That is, keep staying patient that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. That word complete means mature. And what James is saying is patience is a faith-building exercise. And the main reason we're impatient with people is because we are impatient with God. Because when we get impatient, what we're really saying to God is, hey, God, snap to here. I want you on my timetable. I want you on my calendar. I want you on my clock. And I want you to do things according to the way I think they ought to be done when they ought to be done. See, the reason why patience is so difficult is because it involves waiting. Listen, let me be honest with you. One of the most difficult things to do in life is to wait. And you think about it. We're living right now in a country that exists on frozen dinners, instant mashed potatoes, powdered orange juice, packaged cake mixes, instant print cameras, and freeway express lanes. No longer we don't like to, no wonder we don't like to wait. We're living in a society that's trying to tell us in many ways it's wrong to wait. You should never have to wait for anything. I mean, be honest. If you're like me, wouldn't you rather just do, I just, there, I can't think of anything. I would rather watch grass grow than just wait. I'd rather watch, just, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather listen to paint dry than just wait. I mean, it just drives me nuts. We're not a patient people, and we're taught not to be patient. A, a survey of 1,003 adults done in 2006 by the Associated Press discovered the following. Listen to this. While waiting in line at an office or store, most people take an average of 17 minutes to lose their patience. On hold, on the phone, most people lose their patience in nine minutes. Women lost their patience in, uh, after waiting in line for about 18 minutes. Men lost it after 15 minutes. People with lower income and less education are more patient than those with a college education and a high income. And people who live in the suburbs are more patient than those who live in the city. Isn't that interesting? We're, we're not a very patient people. That's why we don't pray like we ought to pray. Let's just be honest. We pray one time, God doesn't give us one once. Well, okay, God doesn't answer prayer, so we don't pray. And that's why we'll witness to a person one time, and if they don't come to Christ, we say, okay, I'll, you know, you know, turn or burn. It's your problem. I'm, all, I'm out of here. We lose patience. Now, I want to wrap this up by saying this. And again, I've been talking to me, and I, I admit my weakness. But what, what, what we're really doing in this series is simply saying we need to learn to be more like the God that created us because our God is a God that knows how to wait. And I, I want to kind of wrap this up and give you an illustration. Why do you think that the world is still here today? I mean, if God is a holy God, and if God absolutely despises sin and hates sin, and if God is a God of wrath and God is a God of judgment, then why is the world still here with all of the evil and all of the sin and all of the rebellion and all of the godliness that's in it? Well, it's not because God is powerless, because we know He can do anything. 
It's not because God is passive because we know God is very proactive in our lives. Do you know why the world is still here today? Do you know why somebody can can blaspheme God in a movie and wake up the next morning? Do do, do you know why a, a nation can continuously, as we are doing, continuously turn our back on the ways of God, and yet God still continues to let us be here? It's because he wants to wait a little longer so that more people might come to know him. So I want to close with maybe the most beautiful verse in the Bible about patience. It's 2 Peter 3, 9. Listen to this. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he's giving more time for everyone to repent. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but I can tell you about me. If God had ever one time in my life lost his patience with me, I'd be on my way to hell right now. Just one time. If he ever lost his patience with me, I'd be doomed. But I want to tell you every day the sun rises, every day the human race still lives is a day that reminds us our God is a patient God. And if he's that patient with people, most of whom completely ignore him, most of whom couldn't give a rip about what Jesus Christ did on the cross, how much more should we be patient with the tough problems and the difficult people that we face? So hurry up and wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on God who's in control of your life. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you of all people should be thankful that God is a patient God. Because there's one thing we all have in common. God does not owe any of us another day. He doesn't owe anybody in this room another heartbeat. He doesn't owe anybody in this room another breath of your lung, not one. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Every day you've lived, you know what God has said? I'm patient. I'm patient. I'm waiting. I know you're not waiting on me, but I'm waiting on you.